Okay, Gus. Alright. I am ready. You ready? I'm ready. You ready, JT? Are you ready? I'm I was born ready. I stay ready. If you stay ready, you don't have to get ready. I don't actually know if I was born ready. Is anyone really born for anything, or is it always they just kind of become? I don't know what something. you're. I don't know what you're trying to say right now. Give, you don't know. What, it, you don't. You don't understand what. Like, are you asking me about? I feel like if we live in a world, are you asking me about destiny right now? Yeah, where there's like infinite possibilities. In in infinite an in infinite number of outcomes, are we really just like, are we born and then we're automatically set to become what we do become? I don't think so. I think the opportunity to become anything is possible when you're born. It's just a matter of what you do in your life. <laughs> Does that make sense? <laughs> I don't fucking know. This is all. This is all just. This is all are, just a bunch of. Are bullshit. you a philosopher? <sighs> Not even close. I took a bunch of philosophy classes in high school. Not because I are in college. Not because I. Particularly I was gonna say they had philosophy <laughs> classes at Liberty High School. No, they didn't. I didn't. I didn't particularly enjoy them. Yeah. But they were just easy and like. Yeah. I guess like interesting conversation. Yeah. But I never actually understood philosophy. There's like Dude. a lot that there's like a science. To understanding oh, philosophy. Yeah. I took an ethics class in college, and it kicked my ass. And it, it was one of the hardest classes I ever took. Really? Yeah. It was Why? tough. You, I, is it because you're an unethical person? <clears throat> probably. <laughs> I think part of it was, it was one of those classes where the professor made you buy his book about oh. ethics oh. and about philosophers. So he had a big ego. Uh, yeah. Hmm. Yeah. He had a massive ego. Hmm. And I just never was able to, I don't know. It was a, like, it was Did a, you use your books in college? Uh, not really. I bought a couple. I did too. Especially my freshman year. But then uh -huh. I figured out that like, you, you don't really need to take notes. No. You don't really need to read shit. Nope. You just kind of be there. If you show up, you're going to pass. You just got to, if you just got to be good at what you're doing or you're not going to succeed. <laughs> 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 Dom, remember when we talked about how we never learned any lessons in college? Yes. The one lesson I did learn is that because I, well, this is just the lesson that I came up with in my head is, was that since I am doing so as well as I am doing with, in doing basically none of the legwork that my, my peers are doing, it means I'm just, I just kind of figured out something that I'm actually good at. Does that make sense? Like, yes. Like it required such little effort on my end to do certain things in college. Maybe you should just be a full time student. Maybe if you're so good at Maybe. it. Maybe I wish you could get paid to be a full time student. You could be a teacher. That's kind of, I guess, like being you a, never stop learning. Well, I I don't know that teachers are learning; they're teaching, they're educating. I had a great you conversation could, you could once be about an educator. the difference between teachers and educators. Like teachers just give you the material, and educators actually try and help you learn. Who did you have the this material. conversation with? I don't know. This doesn't seem like a conversation that actually happened. With my uh, with my great uncle, or no? It, well, I don't know what it was. My my aunt's dad, 
but it, my your grandpa. No, no, no. Because I guess let me let's talk about family structure, Gus. Okay. Um, your grandparents had children. Those are your mom and or dad, and their right, but sisters it, well, well, and it, or brothers. But here's the thing: my uncle is the one I'm directly related to. It was his wife's dad. Does that still make him my grandpa? Uh, no. See, that's why I was confused. I don't think it does. I don't think it does Fair either. Enough. Which is why I, I, was, I wasn't sure. Fair enough. Which is why I but didn't say my But you said my, my grand- uncle's dad. No, I said my aunt's dad. Is she your aunt? Well, I say aunt. Not anymore. She's not. Uh. <laughs> <laughs> They've been oh, divorced, baby. Do you, do you, okay. Uh. <laughs> do you... um? Do you <laughs> are so like you if you're are your married in aunts and uncles do those still count as aunts and uncles that's my question or like technically not see that's what I see, are they that's like why aunt I, and uncle in law because like or are they you have like if if your siblings get married you have brothers and sisters in laws right so like if my if my but also but like your your if your sister were to get married right. Her in-laws would not be your in-laws, but her husband right. would be your brother-in-law. Brother-in-law. But then, but then that's the extent of the uh, yeah like of the, the family relationship on right. that end. So yeah, so like your yeah, so my so how far do we take it? I don't know. Maybe you don't. Maybe because it I've just always ends. I've always called like my aunt's husband. I've always called him my uncle. Your uncle, right? But like yeah. maybe that's just what you do. Maybe that you That's just call them an uncle. If you're wondering what that low rumbling noise is, Why? it is uh, Leo chewing on the bones of all the dead Listen, people that got, we store in this house. I, I don't think you can say that. Well, that is I objectively did. untrue. True. It is a complete lie, but it, I thought Why? it was funny, Why so I said it. Why do you lie? Well, I thought it was funny, so I said it. Why? Oh, ouch. I think I just broke my back. Are you Are you okay? Are you like Spider-Man? Right I was now? just trying to... <laughs> have this mid-back problem. <laughs> ah, yeah, I'm fine. It's just my back. Oh, dude, I got a mid-back problem too. All that swinging around. Okay. What are we, what are we talking about? Are Dom? we supposed to be re- Are we supposed to be recording a we're supposed podcast? to be talking about the last duel. Oh, I think. right. Are, were we just like trying to figure out a way to lead into the movie? And there I've was been just kind of waiting, just, and I didn't know how to turn step uncle into. There was just no way to connect what we started talking about. Uncle in law. I think that's Gra- the, that's the first the first time we've ever been stumped by our intro. Our intro has just taken us nowhere and not gotten us any closer to the movie we we're going to talk about. What movie? The last duel. What movie? A nice little little what duel. Well, sort is this. Are you talking about the first duel or the last duel? Is this a sword and sandal movie, or is it too? Because it like it takes place in France and it's like cold, the whole movie. So like, is it a sword and sandal what movie? So, what is sword and sandal movie? So, I've never like heard like that Gladiator. Term. Gladiator's like a sword and sandal movie. Yeah, because they wear sandals. Do they wear sandals in that? In movie? Gladiator, oh hell yeah! But oh, it also okay. is cold at, at points in Gladiator. That's true. I think sword to me, sword and sandal is like I've never heard anybody say that. Like 
Greek mythology a little bit. Like it takes place some more in like desert settings, like Perseus, where people is actually that, where that, people actually wear Greek, sandals. Is that a Greek mythology? Perseus, name? Uh, it's yes. gotta be right. Yeah, the um um, 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 um Percy Jackson and the Olympians. Sure, I was thinking more <laughs> the one with uh, Sam Worthington in it. Oh um, man, Gus, where he where they release where they release the Kraken. You can't just make up names. Release the Kraken. What is that movie called? The Last Duel. Battle of the Titans. War Clash of, of the Titans. Clash of the Titans. There we go. <laughs> and then War of the Titans is the other one. Gus, maybe this is and, why we can't record early in the morning. Yeah, because our brains are just going um, every okay, direction. Okay, let's actually talk about. Let's the Last actually Duel. Bre- let's break it down from a fundamental standpoint. From, okay. <laughs> so, this movie, I almost actually, I almost didn't see this movie. Um, because it was getting no attention at all. It made it made thirty million dollars in theaters on a one hundred million dollar budget. Yeah, it was which is kind of DOA. A massive failure. Yeah. Like that is that is considered like a a horrific failure, especially for like a a hundred million dollars is still considered like big budget, like spectacle type of stuff. Right. And we don't have to I don't I don't necessarily think we need to get into why that might be a thing. I think part of it is the fact that like people saw this as more of like a because of how grounded in realism it was, it didn't seem like such a big budget spectacle. It seemed like more of like a smaller film despite the fact that it had a huge cast list and a huge budget and a huge director. And it was written by Matt Damon and Ben Affleck, who, by the way, haven't written a movie together since, I'm pretty sure, Goodwill Hunting in the mid-90s. So, like, this movie was actually, like, a big deal. It should have been... It feels like it should have been a bigger deal than it was. Well, it also didn't get much attention leading up to its theatrical release. Right. Like, I, I'm pretty sure I didn't even hear about it until, like, a couple weeks out from its release. And I think part of that is because the movie... Like, production was announced right before the Fox-Disney merger, Mm -hmm. and this movie was one of the movies under the Fox label. Right. So when they merged, a bunch of the Fox projects just kind of got thrown thrown under the rug a little bit. There's a couple more. There's a couple more uh, movies that got released after the merger where basically Disney was like, "We're not going to put we're not going to put any marketing into this, and we're just going to release the movie." And hope it makes back some of its money. Right. Because technically it's not even our movie, so why would we care if it loses money? Because they didn't put any money into it anyway. So why why waste why waste time promoting and marketing a movie that you just took over in this giant deal when you all of the all of the properties and projects you got from that are yours now. So you're gonna make your own money with those projects anyway. So the ones that are already done, that have already had the money put into them, why waste any time? Right putting more money into them when you can just make back which, whatever it makes and have a net positive anyway. Which is kind of a shame because I think that this money or this movie could have made a lot of money at mm. the box office. Oh yeah. I mean a Ridley Scott directed movie about like medieval times when people are again fighting each other to death with swords and hammers and it's super it, it's like it's like in the vein of Gladiator, right? And the for Ridley I, Scott, I will admit maybe the story itself would be hard to sell, but a lot of the promotional stuff didn't try to sell the story. It tried to right. sell the you know just kind of that 
like medieval fighting type thing. It tried to um, sell the last 30 minutes of the movie. It did. It tried to sell right? the last half hour. And it tried to, and yeah. it tried to sell the cast, which right. I think really each each of these um each of the main actors mm-hmm. in their own right would have made this a great film. Cuz oh, yeah. I was very pleased with all of the all of the performances. The performances were were really really good. It's just it it is strange to imagine a movie with Matt Damon, Ben Affleck and Adam Driver not bringing in not making their not money back at money. least. I think part and you're right. Part of it is the story itself is was probably like how do you market a story about a woman saying she was raped and then the you know the story is about the different the differing points of view of the event that took place how do you like like that's a pretty serious uh topic of discussion right. obviously and i i i guess i i understand like you can't like market that to a general audience be like, hey, you're gonna come, you're gonna be entertained by a two and a half hour movie about a woman claiming she was raped, and each each part of the story is gonna be a separate interpretation of what happened. So the first two hours were basically not marketed because how do you market three basically forty minute like each each um. Each perspective is about 40 minutes each, and then the last 30 minutes are about, like, the subsequent trial and then the, the trial by combat, basically. Well, even, like, you read the, like, movie description. Yeah. And all it says, and this is from the IMDb page, mm-hmm. King Charles declares that Knight Jean de Corot settle his dispute with his squire by challenging him to a duel. That's it. Yeah. They, because this is a story that you can like, you really can't market it. You really can't. You can't draw people to theaters, being right. like, "Oh, by the way, that dispute that they're gonna settle is that his best friend raped his wife." Right. Like how? There's no. There's really no way to sugarcoat that. Right. And it makes when you're watching the film, it makes for an interesting story development. Right. Especially when they kind of go about it from the three different viewpoints. They they right. take it from. Um, the viewpoint of Jean mm-hmm. and Jacques, right, and Marguerite. So yeah, Jean is is uh, Marguerite's Damon. cousin or Marguerite's husband, probably <laughs> could be. You never know. You should fucking know. And then yeah, Jacques is is uh, his former friend who allegedly raped her, and then obviously Marguerite is the wife who says she was raped. Right. Yeah. I mean. Impossible. It's impossible. So it's a, it's like a, it's a historical spectacle that's like disguise. That's like disguising the fact that this is basically just a drama. Like right. This, like in modern times, this would just be considered like a drama. Sure. But because there's like the historical period aspect to it, it, it makes it seem like there should maybe be a little more spectacle than they were like leading on. Because all the spectacle really happens. At the end, and the it's the, like the fir- it's like the first what five minutes of the movie, right? Like the first where it gives you that little teaser of the actual last duel, right? The first five minutes, and then like the the first five minutes of the first two perspectives of Jean and Jacques have like the the battle sequence, right? And that's kind of 
epic, but it's it's not in any way the focus of the overall story. Well, and in, and in the grand an, scheme of just, things, it's not even a big battle. Right, it's and, just kind and it's of an introduction. The, it's not even close to the biggest battle we've seen right, on film. Right. So and it's even, not a spectacle. Even the spectacle, the spectacle at the end is between two people. Right. So, right. and you can you can create spectacle between a battle between just two guys. Sure. And I think it is there. It it is a very the battles the battle sequences are still grand despite the fact that they're contain, pretty contained yeah. and not super over the top it's not like you know it's not like the battle of helms deep right all things considered the it's Rings. it's fairly small scale right it it it's still technic it's an epic in that it's in its runtime in the the time period the fact like you know the the things that actually take place but also the things that actually take place are very small scale, self-contained. There's not a huge right, and I think that's kind of the key because even a lot of the story is pretty well contained to just this small group of characters. Right now, it's a it's a grand cast. It's a pretty stacked cast of characters. It's, it's very stacked, but but it's, it's still basically four people. The, the entire story basically plays out just between a handful of people. Right, right. So I I get. See to me that makes sense why this movie was kind of doomed to like there's just there really is no way to market a movie like this. But no. that doesn't take away from the fact that it's a pretty damn good movie. Like True. I and and I liked it a lot. I did too and I think that even though it was like difficult subject matter, mm-hmm. I think that the way that they told the story was very interesting. Um totally agree. I thought that finishing with Marguerite's standpoint um really helped tie in the entire story because yeah. you you kind of once and I was I won't lie when it first for the first 30 40 minutes I was a little bit confused cuz I didn't realize that we were going to be jumping between characters right. I thought it was just like choppy like time jumps in yeah. the story yeah. but once you kind of catch on that they're that they're going to go through it, essentially the entire story right. from three different viewpoints and right. and it plays out like that. When you're watching the movie, you start from the same point. Right, and it gives you there, that. There's a, gives brief, you that. there's a brief like shared period mm-hmm. at the very beginning where we see the story just kind of playing out, kind of establishes right. the characters, how mm-hmm. they know each other, their relationships. Right. After that, you watch the same scenes, the same events unfold right. just from three different standpoints. Yeah. That it's pretty interesting. And mm-hmm. I think, you know, the... The one that stands out to me is kind of that initial battle scene where they're in battle together. Right. Because you realize very quickly that these two characters, Jean and Jacques, they had they perceived very different experiences. Right. Even even in their shared experiences. And that yep. kind of sets the stage for um <clears throat> this narrative that's gonna be sort of incomplete until we finally get Marguerite's, Marguerite's standpoint perspective because right. you know that each of them uh, the, the, their points of view aren't really trustworthy in in the sense of right. of the story because I mean and I think this kind of speaks to and I, I don't know if the movie one thing I really appreciated about the movie was it didn't it wasn't necessarily critical of the way these people were acting it was just kind of examining how people acted back in in this period of time like it, it wasn't a it wasn't a it wasn't trying to like take a stance or 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 uh 
be an accusatory film. Like it just kind of, it just kind of was a glimpse into how people were in this period of right. time. And it, I, it wasn't very, it didn't take a very structured standpoint outside of the idea that rape is bad. And it, it took that instance, you know, cause it, it plays out. I don't, th- I don't think we see it if whenever we see, um, um, when we see, uh, Jean's perspective, we don't actually see the rape occur. We don't see it happen until, Jacques' perspective, because he's the one who rapes Marguerite, and then we see it again from Marguerite's perspective. Right, but, but there is there is still some there are some aspects of comparison when it comes to Jean's or yeah Jean's standpoint. Right, because there's like the scene where Marguerite and Jacques are like chasing each other around the table at the party. Right, and so there's like there are, there are some allusions to it. Yeah, um, but of course he wasn't present, so we don't get his his full right. standpoint. I like kind of how you mentioned that it's not really the movie's not taking a stance, although it very easily could. Yeah, but there, but the stance would be something that's sort of universal. Right, right. It's so it's not a stance. I guess it's a stance that needs to be taken. It's not a stance that we need to be told though, because we're all kind of on the same page. Right. It's 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 taking this. It's taking this time period and showing us what, like, how they handled these sorts of issues. Right. And what I thought was very interesting was when they told it from Marguerite's standpoint. Yeah. Watching her, like, speaking to the court when she was Mm -hmm. on trial after this accusation. Right. And for us, like, that's, you're, you're watching her, they're basically telling her, like, hey, if this, if this is settled in a duel. Mm Mm-hmm. Um, and your husband dies, it means that you're lying. So, it means that so you're, you're lying. Going, you're going to get killed. So you too, too will also die. Like you, you're you're watching this, and it's it's almost like mind boggling that this is how people thought at any right. point in time. Well, also there's that moment during the trial when they talk about how you can't get pregnant if you're not married. Oh, to and the you, person you can't get pregnant if you like don't enjoy it or something. Right? And, there's like they're like it's like everyone dude, knows it's just science or something like right, that. Like right, literally, yes. that's one of the lines and, in the movie, dude. And it's like from from a modern day viewer perspective, it's like really fucked up. You're like, how could they? Like, how did people actually think this way? Right? How and, did like how did they live their lives and and think that what they were saying and what they were doing actually right was in uh, part of that is acceptable just, in that time period. People just didn't didn't have as much scientific knowledge as we have. Like, obviously we know now that you can get someone pregnant if they don't, you know that if you're not married, you can still get someone pregnant. Like there's so much advancement that's happened since whenever this takes place when I don't know what exact, the exact like time period this is, but there's so much more we know now. And that's one thing, like the movie doesn't like necessarily criticize those people for thinking that way. It just kind of shows you by through the dialogue and, and through the way people treat each other, like that way of thinking was just kind of like that was of, commonplace of the time. Like it was just con- like it's not saying but it, also, it's not it like, also doesn't make an excuse. Right, for that. it's not justifying it. It's not either. justifying it. But the whole the whole point is it's not the the film doesn't need to take a moral standpoint because we like everybody shares can, that moral standpoint right we can fill in that gap ourselves right, right? and and it's it's laying it out there for us to f- kind of have that like sense of disgust with like how this whole yeah. situation was handled right like this like 
you're watching this play out and you're like, oh, that's messed up. And you're like, and then it just like it to a degree, it starts to like piss you off when, when like Marguerite's on trial Mm -hmm. and you're like, how did we even get here? Like we, how did, how did she get to a point where they're threatening her life because of these accusations? Right. And like, I think that that's why the final standpoint of Marguerite's is the most important in the film. Right. Um, And it even says, so when it like brings up, is it act one, chapter one, part one? I think it's, I think it's it's chapter. Maybe chapter. Whatever. When it 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 brings up like each of their names. It is. This film is split into three chapters. Okay. So the, the final one comes up as chapter three, Mm -hmm. um, like the truth according to Marguerite. And then everything fades out except for the The truth. truth. Right. Because we, we kind of start to understand that she is the only one, like her story is the only one that we can really trust. But who of the other two between John and Jacques, who do you think is, I guess, like the least trustworthy of a character? I don't know. I, well, I mean, obviously Jacques, because he's a a rapist. Because he's a rapist. Right. To not make light of it. Like he was, he that he's just an objectively bad person. He's he, yeah, he's actually just a bad dude. But then Jean was also like so right. Like he, he's kind of his... he's kind of like a brutal like his character is very self-serving. He's very right. he's very much just wrapped up in like his image in the yeah. eyes of the he, king and of the people He and... sees himself as like a stand-up guy, like as someone who is deserving of like respect and honor and proper treatment. Right. But it's not until you see from other perspectives that he's just so up his own ass that like maybe he doesn't really deserve like right. his perspective of himself is completely different from how he really actually is. Yes. Now, of course, Jacques, the way Jacques sees him is still slightly different from how Marguerite sees him because in the moments in during Marguerite's version of the story, there are like brief glimpses of good character from him. But they're they're so overshadowed by right by just kind of his I don't know he, he's so wrapped up in his ego that it's really I mean obviously yeah I would Jacques is still probably the worst person but Jean doesn't really have enough good qualities to really like root for him either you're really only rooting for him by default because Jacques is the, actually the guy who raped. Marguerite like that's the right. only I mean really the, the only reason the only character that you like actively like is Marguerite right you almost you almost like they almost force you into kind of hoping that Jean succeeds purely because he's the only way that she can survive is if the only way she can actually continue living is if in the last duel Jean defeats Jacques yes right and I, I guess that doesn't necessarily mean you're like rooting for him. Really, you're just well, you're you're kind of rooting for justice, right? Right. And and more so, mm-hmm. you're rooting for Marguerite, who so she was played by uh, Jodie Comer. Jodie Comer. Um. You but you're kind of you're you know that her story is the truth, and so right. you're you're more so just rooting for her to be believed in the end and right. the only way for that to happen is for Jean to defeat Jacques right it, but really you kind of get the sense at the end of the day Marguerite's not even really happy to be joining Jean again 
right. in, in their life. Like it's, She's just kind of glad that she's still alive. Yeah, she's happy to be alive. And, right. and that's really it because the, you know, the the end of the duel is them supposed to be them like riding off into the sunset. There's like right. crowds cheering and stuff, but there's really like, it's like a solemn moment. There's really right. no happiness in it other than that. Marguerite is able to survive. Right. There's also, I mean, John himself gets a little vindication because of the fact that he won, sure. like in the eyes of God and the people, he is, he is the, like, he's finally like earning that respect because you know, according to what just happened, he was right. Even though right. we all kind of already know what the truth is. It, again, it kind of it kind of adds to the whole per, the whole perspective that this movie takes of like this is really just kind of how people viewed things back then. Uh-huh. Like it's just this weird. It almost feels like you're in an alternate version of reality, but. I guess, you know, when we're 500 years separated from this period of time, of course it would feel foreign because we've had 500 years to this, advance past these viewpoints. The, the whole right? movie is kind of full of like moments like that where you're like, how did they... Like, how the hell do you think like that? How do <laughs> like they that? think like that? Right. Even, even like when uh, during the last duel watching uh, King Charles, mm-hmm. like smile and laugh and like right he he looks the guy um the guy who played him is alex lother mm-hmm. and he did he did a very good job but oh, he's yeah. like convincingly like bloodthirsty right and it's like right. it's creepy it's creepy to like watch the king like it is be so like upbeat and joyous watching these two men try to kill each other and there's like there's very there's some great interactions between the king and his wife right like there's that you you get like the their characters are very small and, and minor in yeah. the story, but you still get those like great brief interactions between those two. I don't know that the king's wife ever says or has any lines of dialogue. I can't remember if she does or not. But you I don't can know like she does. You can see like this obvious rift between men and women in this period of time, where there's like there's such like a controlling. Men had such like a controlling interest in the way outcomes were determined, mm-hmm. and even like in the smaller moments, in the moments between like when the king is actually there for the trial, making decisions when he's at the duel, like you can see that rift mm-hmm. in those smaller moments too. That was one of the one of the things I really liked about this movie was even the the less impactful moments still had some sort of importance to them. Yeah. Also, not we've we've talked a lot. Of, we're we've talked almost exclusively about the story and trying to sell it and how serious it is. From a technical perspective, this movie is beautiful. Yeah. Oh it yeah. It was that was one of my, you know one of my favorite parts was the fact that I I felt like cold the whole time I was watching yeah. this movie. Like they really they really captured the kind of like bitter cold of France without having like I don't know the set the, like the set pieces weren't too exotic or right um over the top As a matter of fact they were almost they almost looked run down most of the time mm-hmm. like the setting we were in it was like they wanted it to feel kind of disheveled and 
and well, which kind of which kind of goes along with some of the characters as well, right? I think I think that the like the set pieces, the um, the color contrast, it all just kind of it's like it very much plays along with right. the story, with the characters, with the time that we're watching, right? Um, and it's very complementary to right to everything else that's going on. This the the set never really and and even just the cinematography in general it it never really takes center stage it's not gonna right. it's not necessarily gonna capture your attention mm-hmm. but i think it was exactly what it needed to be and sometimes right. that's difficult to do with a piece like this right the they there was plenty of style in this movie but it never it never the movie never like breached into like a st- a style over substance right type of type of film right the substance was always at the forefront and the style, like you said, it only ever really complements the story itself. But it's still at like a very heavily style. It's a Ridley Scott movie, so it's going to be heavy, heavily stylized mm-hmm. to his sort of, you know, his sort of vision. But for whatever reason, whether it's the performances or the story, probably both, his style never like gets in the way of the story they're trying to tell. But yes. it's still, it's still like noticeably a really good looking movie. Yeah, and when it comes to when it comes to the fight scenes, um, the the duel between Jean and Jacques, and then the battle at the river—I don't know what it was actually called. Right. Um, but when it comes to those two, they were very well choreographed. Oh and yeah. And with especially with like medieval um, like sword fighting type scenes, mm-hmm. you the choreography has to be like well done. Um, right. Because if it's not, like, it's noticeably choppy. Yeah. It's not like modern war movies where it's, like, people shooting guns. Right. Like, they, you you have to nail the, like, character interactions right. when it comes it's all, to, it's all like, close hand-to-hand combat. combat. Right. Um, I told you this, and this is just super nitpicky, but yeah. the, like... Like the over the top like red blood yeah. that was like coming out during these battle scenes uh-huh. drove me absolutely nuts because it was like <laughs> it was like unnaturally red and it mm-hmm. looked like it was added in in post production which it probably was right but it was like almost distracting to a degree yeah um I almost would have preferred there to not be any blood because I don't think they did a very good job with right. it or just use actual one thing I or like, just use props or just use actual blood squibs right like one thing you know. I always I always use Quentin Tarantino as the example because Tarantino is so married to the idea of if I'm going to have blood in my movie, I'm going to use real like blood like all the blood you see in a Tarantino movie is actual like pockets of blood like not real blood obviously, but it's it's pockets of red it's liquid, liquid that they yeah. make to look like blood. So when it explodes on screen, it look it it looks real because it is real, and while right. the blood doesn't look real because you can't really make real looking blood can only fake blood can only look so close to real blood. It's right. It's like right. it's like put it's like it's like um it's like CGIing a character's face onto a different actor, mm-hmm. right? You can get really 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 close. But we're but, always gonna know. But we're always gonna know. So why not just use the real shit? Yeah. Instead of adding it in post production. Yeah. Because at least when you use the real shit, it looks more real as it um, as it unfolds on screen. I I don't know. I didn't really. I didn't really notice the over the top. I just. I don't know. It wasn't something I noticed, but <laughs> I understand. I understand the 
the uh, criticism. I think CGI blood looks so stupid. Um, I don't really have too much else to say. Other than other than uh, the fact that the last duel is is really as brutal as uh, it was played up to be. Yeah, which I appreciated. I mean, it was sure. it was a legit like two grown ass men just trying to beat the absolute shit out of each other. Oh yeah, like legitimately just trying to kill each other. Yeah, it's and brutal. It felt it felt like that's what was happen that was what was happening on screen. And I really I appreciated yeah. that for for how kind of just It seemed accurate. Unfiltered. Least. It felt like an accurate depiction of if two guys had swords and other weapons at their disposal and they were trying to kill each other, what would it look like? Yeah. I would show you the scene from the last duel and say, This is pretty this is at least one example of how it might of how it might play sure. out. Otherwise, I mean I enjoyed this movie a lot. I think it kind of sucks that they weren't able to figure out how to market it properly, and it ended up being a huge failure. I know I said earlier it made $30 million. Um, that's $30 million worldwide. Yeah. Meaning in every single market it could have played in across the world, it made $30 million. It made $10 million in the U.S. Yeah. Meaning 10% of its budget was made back in the U.S., which is a really, really bad bad thing that is that is a that is a huge sign of failure yeah huge loss but i mean it's a good just it sucks because this really is a good movie it's a well well made obviously ridley scott is seems like he's still kind of you know he's still got what it takes to put together a a really cool freaking movie i love the you know the fact that ben affleck and matt damon co-wrote the movie with uh Nicole Holof Center, Center. I'm probably butchering that. Um, but it's cool that, you know, the fact that this movie takes place from three different perspectives and is written by three different people, two men and a woman, mm-hmm. and the movie itself is the perspectives of two men and a woman. Like, the parallels there I, I really appreciate. It seems like those three people had a, like, were really able to, to capture, like, a a solid glimpse of like this period of time and how kind of fucked up it was yeah without being over the top or or being preachy or anything like that and i i really i liked that perspective a lot um yeah i think that i think that it's like i mean like we basically spent this whole episode talking about is it's a it's a hard story to sell um it's also a hard story to tell, and I think that they told it very well. Um, right, all things considered, um, a great cast, um, great set design. Mm-hmm. Um, Ridley Scott obviously is an all-time great. True, um, very true. So it's hard to it's hard to ever really like critique any directorial choices. Right, when it's a guy like Ridley Scott, um, I think that. If you have like if you have the stomach for the story and for just the brutality of the fight that of this we, yeah that and this, watched, just this period of time in general um I think if you can stomach that mm-hmm. it's I think you'll be pleasantly surprised it's I, yeah I, maybe not pleasant I don't it's well worth the watch it's it's worth the watch um it's probably not what you were expecting from no. from a film like this probably which not I think is probably a good thing in this case um oh yeah. If I were to grade it, I think I'd probably give it a B plus or A minus, like in in that range. Mm-hmm. That's I was I I I landed pretty firmly on B 
when I watched yeah. it the first time. Um, I think I'd probably stick to that. Like I said, enjoyable movie. Not the most like carefree watch ever. You got to be in a pretty serious mood because it's a very serious story that covers very serious well, and you topics. Have to, you also have to be paying attention, which right will it'll make the story more enjoyable or mm-hmm. it'll make the movie more enjoyable if you're paying attention from the beginning right because i kind of got caught got caught napping a little bit gus yeah <laughs> and so when we got like <sighs> after the first 30 minutes i started to get a little bit confused yeah um, luckily if you do fall behind there's plenty of opportunity to catch up it's not like the film's gonna lose you right if, if you lose track of of some part of the story very you'll, true you'll, you'll have time to catch up yeah um that's all I got, though. That's all I got on the last duel. I'm there too. You wanna you wanna take him out here? Uh, yeah. So let's do it. Please, if you enjoy our show, tell your friends and your dogs and your step aunts. Tell your dogs, especially. I mean, Leo very clearly enjoys listening and to us your talk. Your uncle in laws. Your uncle in laws. That and can't be. There's no way that that can be a way to. Doesn't matter. Tell anyway, them and tell, tell us. Them and if you hate us. Don't tell your friends, but then tell us. Like, we want to know. We don't want anybody else to know, you know? Yes, correct. <laughs> um, you can leave us reviews on Apple Podcasts and now Spotify. Uh-huh. Um, you can reach us on any of our social media platforms. We are Front Row Seats on Facebook. We are yeah, we Front are. Row Media one at gmail.com if you feel like emailing us. We are Front underscore Row Media on Instagram. Um, Instagram is where we're most active. Um, we also uh, dabble in Facebook from time to time, although yes, we, we don't do. prefer it. Uh, no. But if you're going to email us, just have some patience. We might not see it for months. Very true. Um, we just now checked our email today for the first time ever. Yeah, pretty much. Um, but if you want to reach us, those are where you can find us. You can mm-hmm. listen to us on Anywhere that you like to listen to podcasts. Quite literally um, anywhere. Stitcher, Spotify, Apple Podcasts, um, SoundCloud. SoundCloud. Um, shout out our SoundCloud folks. You guys yeah. continue to bring the heat. You guys continue to host all of our content, and we really appreciate it. We appreciate it I was talking lot. about the listeners on, oh, on SoundCloud. Oh, well, I appreciate the platform itself. I appreciate all of them, and yeah. I appreciate... We appreciate all of you. Gus. Oh. Th- well, I appreciate you, Dom. Did you just stop the recording? No. Oh, okay. No. I just saw you. No, you clicked it, and I was like, I oh, would, we, you, is that, would you like me to? Is that how we end it? Um, I think we're done. Let's wrap it up. It's wrapped. Consider it wrapped. Consider it done. <laughs>